highest of heights to the depths of the sea. There were seven specific things that John wanted to get across, all for the intent of showing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And by these things specifically, these seven signs or miracles, and we're going to look at the last one in the next week or two about Lazarus being raised from the grave. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, Now a certain man was sick. This begins perhaps the most remarkable miracle Jesus performed. One might say that it is foolish to think one miracle is more difficult than another, but this seventh sign of John's gospel is unique. Jesus had a close relationship with this family. When Lazarus was sick, it was natural for them to bring their need to Jesus. It was expected that if he miraculously met the needs of so many others, he would meet their need also. We as believers have this right to bring our needs to Jesus, and we can expect his response to our needs. Now here's Pastor Rob. This chapter will be just a couple weeks, but there's a lot of important things that happen in this chapter, in chapter 11. Of course, we know that it's the the chapter where Lazarus is raised from the grave, and... It also speaks of, when we think of the resurrection, the first thing that comes to our mind is Jesus' resurrection, which is the most important aspect of what we're seeing and what we will see specifically next week. Because Lazarus is being raised from the grave was just a, it was just like a week, just a little more than a week, probably right on the money, right on like a week before Jesus would be crucified. And so it was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would ultimately accomplish, and, and, and so much more than even what happened in Lazarus's life. And we'll take a look at that next week. But what I really am hoping to do today is to just look at a specific... We're going to go through the first 16 verses of this chapter, but there's one verse specifically I want us to really zero in on, and that's in chapter 4, where Jesus says uh, concerning Lazarus that this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And that's always a hard thing for us to understand, the idea that God could be glorified in and through something that is uh, difficult, whether it's a a sickness, a death, or a calamity, or some kind of issue in your life, maybe uh, some disaster in your life. How can God be glorified in and through something like that? But the truth of the matter is that He is, that He does receive glory, depending on what we do with that calamity, what we do with that illness, what we do with that sickness. And nobody likes to be sick. And nobody really likes to die. Anybody here that wants to die? I mean, I, I want to be with the Lord, but I don't, I'm not looking forward to the process of death. 
But God has a purpose in it. And isn't it true? Romans 8.28 says it uh, so pointedly for us. That all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things, the, the, the bad things and the good things. But the bad things as well, right? The bad things, he's, he's going to work those things out for our good if we're able to see it, if we're able to recognize what God is doing in our life, and even especially in the difficult times, folks, because you understand when everything is going well, we all do well. When, when our day is going well, when things are going well in our life, it's easy to give thanks to God. It's easy to be on cloud nine, but it's especially more difficult for us to be submitted to God and to let his glory shine through us when we're going through a difficulty. Because usually when I'm going through a sickness or a malady or some kind of consequence in my life that's unpleasant, I'm like that kid in Walmart who's standing at the candy aisle when the mother says, you can't have that. Your teeth are falling out of your head because of the rot from your cavities. No, I'm not going to let you have candy today. And the kid flops down and has a a seizure in front of all of these people. Uh, Mess in aisle 10, please. Mess in aisle 10. And the kid is writhing like a a demon-possessed person, foaming at the mouth, wanting the candy. And then she does what every American mother does. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. Here's the candy. I'm only kidding. But anyway, we, there's reasons behind these things that happen to us. And are they, the, are they the result of sin in our life? You know, a sickness that happens to us? It could be. I mean, it's always good to go to the Lord and ask Him, Lord, is this sickness, this thing that's happened to me, is it a result of sin in my life? It's always good to ask the Lord that. And sometimes it may be, but other times it may not. And we've got to be very careful when we see these things happening in other, other people's lives. Because we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to look at somebody going through something and go, I knew it. They've got this because God is checking them out. God's doing something. You know, they've done something wrong, and therefore they deserve. Hey, it may not have anything to do with that at all. And it would be best for us not to foster that kind of attitude anyway. Because we just don't have all the information. Are you omniscient? Anyone here this morning online or here personally, is anybody omniscient? Do you know all things? We don't. We, we, we know so little. And there was a time, we're going to look at this today in John chapter 9, where Jesus uh, was speaking to a blind man, and then the disciple says, Lord, why was this man born blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, no. I mean, they were sinners, but that wasn't the cause for his blindness. His blindness was brought about because I'm going to do something in his life. At this moment, at this season of his life, For him and everyone else to glorify me as a result. Glorify the Father in heaven and glorify Jesus. They are one and the same. And so it's not always fair for us to be pointing fingers because we don't have all of the information. We know so very little. And so this morning as we look at this, uh, we're just going to look at the first 16 verses, but but verse 4, excuse me, is the one we want to kind of look at a little more clearly this morning. Because God does receive glory and can receive glory in anything in our life. And whatever we do in word or deed, let's do it all in the name of the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's do it all in the name of Jesus. The things that come out of our mouth, the things that we do, let those things be the things that people can, can say, you know, there's something really interesting about this person because, You know, this bad thing has happened to them. A family member has died. Maybe they're dying. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're terminally ill. And yet they've got this smile on their face. They have no worry. They're not frightened. They're not freaking out. They're not 
being angry and blaming God. Rather, they're in this wonderful, blessed repose of just saying, you know what, Lord, I'm in your hands. You've allowed this for a reason. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't even like it. But you've got a plan. And I want to be faithful in that plan. And that is easy to say when we're doing well. But when we're not doing well, can you surrender? And let me, let me suggest to you that that may be the best worship that you could ever give is when you're going through the difficult times and you're saying, Lord, I'm yours. Help me to glorify you in this circumstance, in this illness, in this death in my family, in this death of my loved one, and in this consequence that, I'm, that, I'm, that, I, that I've got. Or, or maybe it had nothing to do with anything of, uh, maybe it, there was no causation for this thing to happen, but it happened to me nonetheless. Because doesn't God cause the rain to fall on the just and the unjust? <laughs> he does. But it's what we do with it. How we look at it, that is everything. That's everything. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Let's open to, um, if you're not already there, let's look at John's Gospel. Let's just read the first 16 verses. Let's read it. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent him, saying, Lord, behold, he, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. So then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him that we may die with him. But this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. You remember, Lazarus raised from the dead was the seventh of seven signs that John had cherry-picked from all of the events in Jesus' life. John, having written the Gospel of John very last out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, his, his Gospel was the last one. And remember, there were seven specific things that John wanted to get across, all for the intent of showing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And by these things, specifically, these seven signs are miracles. And we're going to look at the last one in the next week or two about Lazarus being raised from the grave. So let's look back at chapter, or excuse me, verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus, of Bethany, 
the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This name Lazarus is Lazarus is an abbreviated form of the Hebrew name Eleazar, which means God has helped. That's what his name means. And Bethany, it was this place just to the to the east of Jerusalem, about two miles from Jerusalem on the eastern side, southeastern of the Mount of Olives. And this is the location not only where Lazarus, as we will read today and next week, where he rose from the grave, but it's also the same place that tells us in the next chapter that we're going to be getting into in John 12, where Mary, the sister of Lazarus, she anointed the feet of Jesus with a costly ointment called spikenard, and she wiped his feet with her hair. She anointed his head and anointed his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. It is also the same location where Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection, after 40 days of his resurrection. He ascended, it tells us, in Luke's Gospel and also in the book of Acts in chapter 1, that Jesus rose from, the, from that place in Bethany while his disciples looked on. He was ascended into the clouds. And I love what it says. It says in the book of Acts, the two angels, as they were watching him ascend into heaven, a couple of angels says, hey, this Jesus that came, so in like manner, he's going to come back on the Mount of Olives because Bethany is right on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, on the other side opposite the, where the Valley of Kidron is, where you can see the Temple Mount today. It's kind of secluded from Jerusalem. There's a hill. There's, there's Jerusalem, well, from your perspective, there's Jerusalem here, then there's the Kidron Valley, and then there's the Mount of Olives, and then Bethany is somewhere over here. So in Bethany, it's kind of secluded from all the noise and the hubbub of what's happening in Jerusalem, and that's where this event occurred. And notice in verse 2, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. And John is, is recalling this event because he wrote this gospel after these things had happened. So he said, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And so we know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they were siblings and they lived in the same house. And we know that this Mary was the one that's recorded for us in John 12, where she broke that that alabaster, that, 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 that flask of spikenard, a very precious, very costly ointment, very costly ointment. And she anointed the head and the feet of Jesus. And we know that this happened not in Lazarus's house, Mary, and Mary or Martha's house, but it happened in the house of Simon the leper, who also lived in Bethany. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 through 31, for those of you who are note takers, you can see that that's exactly where it was. This is the, the parallel account of it. Or, or in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Or in John's Gospel, the first eight verses speak of that moment where she broke that flask and poured it on Jesus' head. And I just want to pause here just for a quick second and just... Talk about the, the, the extravagance of her worship. It wasn't a chintzy kind of worship. It wasn't a convenient worship for her. This was very costly. But she knew that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, that He's God in the flesh. She broke that spikenard, this, this, this fragrant um, uh, plant that is from East India. 
It's a plant which yields a very delicious and very um, wonderfully smelling uh, odor that the ancients used, either pure or they mixed it with other things to create different types of ointments. But at the and, and here Mary takes this ointment and she anoints the head and the feet of Jesus, not caring about how much it costs. We remember that Judas had a problem with that. He's like, this could have been sold to the poor. And there's, there's another event where this also happens in Jesus' life, but this is separate from that event. There were at least two events where that occurred, where Jesus was anointed with a costly perfume, a costly ointment. But Mary did this one, and she wasn't concerned on how much it costs because, listen, at the heart of true worship is sacrifice. And if my worship doesn't cost me anything, it may, it may be worship, but it may not be. But it's when it really costs us, those are the times that God is pleased with our worship. Because if it doesn't cost us anything, there's real no sacrifice. I'm really not honoring one who is above me. I'm really not honoring... I mean, I can. I'm not saying that all worship that doesn't cost you something is not pure or God won't accept it. I'm just saying this, simply, that when it costs something to us and it hurts a little bit, that's when God really, really takes note of it. Because we're honoring Him above our own selves. And that's why it's always good to examine our hearts. And you know, singing to the Lord is wonderful. That's an easier type of worship and, um, but it's really hard when we don't feel like it. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know, sometimes when we get together, I mean, the worship this morning was awesome. It was beautiful. And there are times when I come in, and uh, I'm not necessarily feeling like worshiping. Maybe you've had a bad day. Maybe you come on a Thursday night. That's usually my problem is Thursday nights. <laughs> is, you know, you, you come from work or whatever, and you're just, your heart is not in the right place. And you don't feel like singing. You just, and so you sat there, and everyone else is singing around you, and you're just like, you know what? I'm not going to sing. I, I'm just I'm mad at God. <laughs> or I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like worshiping Him. But that's why the Bible calls it a sacrifice of praise. When we worship Him, and, and, and I would encourage you to try this sometime when you're not feeling like it. Worship Him anyway. When you are feeling in the pit and you're like, you know what, I have got nothing in me. The tank is empty. You stand or you get someplace. You go in a drive in your car, put on the music, you worship, you do whatever you got to do, and you worship him because he's worthy, not because I feel like it. Because when I worship because of my feelings at the time, what am I really worshiping? I'm really not worshiping Jesus necessarily. Necessarily. But oh, how he smiles. And, and see, we think that God's going to accept it if I'm feeling good about it. And I'm singing and the birds are singing and the choir is in tune and the guitars are in tune and everything. <gasps> and the Spirit of God is moving. And just like, you're just like, you know, you just feel like a wave in a pool. You're just like, oh, I'm just kind of being bathed and rocked to sleep like a baby. Those times are wonderful. And they are worship, there's no doubt. But when I am at the end of myself, I don't feel like it. Would you challenge yourself to worship him anyway? And you'll find, if you just open your mouth, and the devil will say, well, you're just a hypocrite. You don't really feel like it. You can say, you can go away. Because he is worthy regardless of my feelings. Regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to worship him because he is worthy to receive it. Regardless of my circumstances. Regardless of how I feel about it. Follow me? 
Try it. It's not easy, but let me tell you this, that once you do that, you'll find yourself, your whole attitude will start to change. After you've gotten over your pity party inside and you actually do it, you'll find that you're actually engaging and you're like, oh God, that's exactly what I needed. I needed to get out of myself. I needed to stop looking at me. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) When I stop looking at myself and I start looking at him, boy, everything turns around. All of a sudden, my attitude is so much better. So notice in verse 3, he goes on and he says, Therefore, the sisters, Mary and Martha, they sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, because Jesus was probably in Bethabara, which is in a different location, probably in Transjordan area. And now the sisters send to him from Bethany, and they say, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And this word Lord is the, 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 the Greek word kyrios, which means master, supreme master. So they're honoring him. They're saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And I find it interesting that Lazarus' sister, Martha and Mary, they called Jesus Lord, and yet, not, and yet some of his disciples, and specifically Judas, never called him Lord. And yet these two women, who weren't part of his disciples and, and, and apostles in a sense, here they are calling him Lord. And women, for some reason, women seem to have this spiritual bent to them already. They're, they're just such a gentleness, and it's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad for the differences between the sexes, male and female. But guys, let me exhort you. Women have this, you know, it's very easy for them to be spiritual in a sense, but it's, it can be a little more challenging for us. But don't let that be your excuse. Real men love Jesus. Real men are serious about prayer. Real men are serious about character and integrity, morals, Bible study, and being obedient. And they don't just cave in to whatever the other guys are laughing about or doing. And that's a real challenge to us, guys. We have to break through the stereotype of men and realize that real men are, is what I just described. A real man can cry. A real man loves Christ. A real man goes to Bible study. A real man goes to prayer meetings. A real man is sensitive to his wife. The world has sold us a bill of goods, guys, saying that a man has to be the guy with the gun, with the pickup truck with the dog in the back seat, drooling all over it, drinking a beer, looking at women as he drives by. That's the stereotype of a man in America. And let me suggest to you, that stereotype is wrong. It's wrong. Don't buy into it. It's a cultural thing. You have to discard it. Get rid of it. Be a man of God. A real man loves Christ. A real man surrenders his life to Jesus, is obedient and is faithful to his wife, to his kids. A real man is faithful to Christ. And all this other nonsense, flush it. Flush it, guys. Don't allow your wife to be the spiritual head in your family. She'll take that. She'll be the spiritual head if you're not. So you better wake up. Guys, let's do it. Is it easy? It is not easy, but God has called us to be the leaders in our home. It doesn't mean that we're better. Your wife may do it a lot better, but he hasn't called your wife to do that. She's got other responsibilities, other things that God has called her to do, but he's called you to be the head and not the tail. It's time that men rise up in the church, in this culture in America. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.